Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host, Avi. I'm so, I'm just so bitter by this, this whole ordeal that I can't even come up with anything clever anymore. <laughs> and uh, first, we'd like to start off by apologizing to everybody for not releasing an episode last week. Uh, unfortunately, we be, we fell victim to a ton of different scheduling conflicts. Uh and it almost seemed like every force imaginable tried to stop us from finishing Star Wars Episode Three. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it, if it wasn't one thing, it was another. One night I was trying to watch it, but it, you know my daughter was not agreeing with me, and I ended up having to really like keep an eye on her and couldn't finish watching it. You and I tried to watch the movie together before I we went to watch Godzilla: King of the Monsters in theaters. and the power went out (laughs) during the climax of this movie i forgot uh, about that i forgot that happened so i think we started making the joke that god does not want us to finish this review oh we should have listened to him (laughs) (laughs) we were uh, trying to play god (laughs) and after all those roadblocks here we are this is finally it our episode uh on star wars episode three and we are finally at the end of the Star Wars prequel trilogy. I think I mentioned this before, so I'm going to be retreading old ground again. But uh, the first time I watched this movie, I was no longer seeing these in theaters. I was in El Salvador visiting my family out there. And there happened to be a movie channel that was going to play Star Wars Episode Three. And by this point, I had kind of lost interest in the prequel trilogy, so I wasn't as amped for this as I was for Episode 2. But obviously, I wanted to watch it because this is it. This is the moment that they finally get to Darth Vader. There was no lady friend involved in this one? No, absolutely not. (laughs) There was no Salvadorian lady friend breaking hearts overseas? No, no, I was at my aunt and uncle's house. (laughs) How very anticlimactic, seeing as how the last movie you saw from this trilogy was so saucy. Well, I was, you know, I, I was barely discovering girls at that time. You know, by this point I was a little older. and <laughs> Yeah, you were. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this is just, you know, this is, it feels like the finale to a series for sure. Um this is what they were building up in the entire series, too. This whole point of this trilogy was to get us to Darth Vader. And uh, that this was supposed to set us up for what we finally see when we return to A New Hope in a few weeks. I know. So, uh, it's very... Uh, it's very exciting, I guess, to to end a chapter, right? Because, you know, you can finally put stuff behind you like there's something very um cathartic about being able to end and let things end you know i think that was a big reason why endgame really struck a chord for you and i right uh and definitely this film is one of those that feels like it's the end of a story when i was a kid i remember i saw the trailer for it and i wasn't nearly as hyped as i was for attack of the clones and that's because i kind of knew whatever some bad stuff was gonna happen the bad guys have to win 
you know, the bad guys have to win in this one because the next movie is going to be A New Hope, and it sets up for your whole new cast of heroes and your whole new cast of characters uh, defending the galaxy, right? Um, but I remember I, I was like, you know what? I don't need to see this one opening night. But I had one buddy, because uh, I must have been, like, in eighth grade, right? So I was, like, in middle school. I had one friend that was super into Star Wars, and I'm talking about he read, like, the – Every single canon, which has now been rendered non-canon, like, piece of Star Wars fiction you can find. Or could he possibly loved. be rendered re-canon again if J.J. Uh, Abrams does indeed go back and re-establish everything. How? The, they wake up and they realize it was all a dream, a la Lost? <laughs> yeah, you that's what know. I want to see. I want some bullshit that makes all... All those, like, wasted hours of reading, like, make all that shit real again, I guess. <laughs> but I had a friend that he was, like, he went to go watch it, because he was a huge Star Wars fan. Next day, or what was it, he went to go watch it, like, Saturday, Saturday. I saw him Monday at school. He goes, hey, did you watch Star Wars? I'm like, no. And then he goes, dude, go watch Star Wars. And I was like, why? Like, I mean, I'm going to watch it, but what about it made it so cool? And he go, and he talked about the lightsaber fight between Obi Wan and uh, Anakin in this movie, and he was like, "Dude, you have to watch it. Just for that fight, you need to watch it." And when I went and watched it, I was like, "Holy fucking shit, that was worth it." <laughs> so, honestly, like, the, what that came out in two thousand, two thousand buying two thousand five, so. We don't get another Star Wars movie until, what, The Force Awakens? Yeah, ten years. Ten-year hiatus. Holy shit, that's crazy to think about. And it's crazy to think about that we were all ready to let this movie really be the end of the Star Wars like franchise. Yeah, absolutely. For me, this was it. Like I, I, I think everyone knew that George Lucas was... You know, winding down in his career, this was something that he felt like he just wanted to do. You know, like these movies were self-financed for the most part, um, and he had already moved into more of like the CGI, like tech kind of like side, which is what a lot of people in the Bay Area do, right? Um, and it's you know, it, it it felt like this was the true end of an era, and I honestly didn't think we'd ever get another Star Wars movie after this. And then J.J. Abrams said, fuck that. Well, Disney did it, right? Disney did it first, and then they were the ones who started bringing on board other directors. But, and you then know, Mickey this... Mouse said, fuck that. <laughs> but this was the end-all, be-all like for Star Wars at this point. And, uh, you know, it's I, I still hold right now that my rediscovery of some of these movies in this series has... It's not as good as I remember it, and I think part of it is that when Star Wars does finally come back, uh, they do a better job of creating something that feels more connected to those first three films. And with that, let's jump right into our deep dive and dissection of Star Wars Episode Three, which opens three years after the beginning of the Clone Wars. So that makes Anakin, I don't know, 23, 24, like maybe mid-20s. And he's pretty much this hotshot Jedi Knight. And then Obi-Wan is like, he's been promoted to Jedi Master. 
And right off the bat, this film starts in the middle of a crazy-ass space battle over the planet of Coruscant. And we find out that Count Dooku had kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine. And there's this new guy named General Grievous, who's like a weird robot. (laughs) General Grievous, who is a car, not just in terms of the CGI that they use, but is an absolutely cartoonish villain. He has, yeah, like, he, when he's introduced, he looks like a sickly old alien robot cyborg thing, right? And I remember when I first watched this movie as a kid, I'm like, he looks like he's going to keel over at any given moment. But, yeah, this is one of those first times where the big bad in this movie is completely CGI, you know? Or, I mean, uh, in this, in this franchise. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of cool CGI going on in the in the in like the space fight. You get to see some dogfighting. Um, it feels like this this kind of drags on a bit, like this whole scene, the rescuing the, the chancellor. Um, but it finally culminates in our heroes confronting Count Dooku and what's supposed to be. A rematch of, that, of the fight that pretty much never happened from Attack of the Clones. Yes, yeah, so the underwhelming fight from the last movie now becomes the underwhelming fight from the beginning of this movie. And it's super underwhelming because, like, Obi-Wan gets fucking, like, jobbed out right away. He's just, like, ragdolled across the room by Count Dooku in, a, like, a very cartoonish-looking CGI <laughs> And And I think this part of it is this movie is trying to set up the idea now that in the time between episode two and episode three, that Anakin has now become more powerful than anyone would have thought. Does he feel any more powerful to you? Not really. (laughs) He still whines a lot. (laughs) He's whinier than anyone could have ever thought. He's got a powerful whine. Oh, God. That whine has been heard of across the entire galaxy (laughs) but yeah like the whole point of this is that he's strong enough to take on count dooku and he does he disarms count dooku (laughs) see what i did there yes yeah get it i don't know if you i said disarms as in he takes his arm off yes we get it you made a joke (laughs) i'm so fucking clever i'm the dad but you're the one bringing the dad jokes Oh, it's because I write my own shit, right? <laughs> so he ends up taking the Count Dooku's uh, lightsaber, and then uh, they have this weird interaction between uh, Anakin and the oh, the Emperor. Sorry, <laughs> spoilers, but uh, between Anakin and the, and the Chancellor, where the Chancellor's like, "You have to kill him," and Anakin was like. No, that's not the Jedi way. And essentially the argument becomes Palpatine is just like, do it, pussy. And then Anakin's like, okay, and just cuts his head off. This is part of the problem that I've discovered I have with this entire trilogy. And that is... How easy Anakin is to sway in this movie? Alan, gosh. Anakin (laughs) is... Anakin Skywalker is so easily corruptible in this series that the fact that anyone would have bought him as some sort of Jedi prophet <laughs> blows me away. 
<laughs> he seems like the kid that you gotta offer him weed once, and he'll be like, no! And it's like, come on, it'll make you feel good. <gasps> okay. <laughs> and it absolutely changes his, like, perspective on life forever. You know what I mean? Like, the, no, I don't want to do it, and then, okay, I'll do it. Okay, now I'm just gonna do this all the time now. And this series, unfortunately, didn't do Hayden Christensen any favors by setting him up as someone who already had, like, ideas that, you know, like, there was so much about him where he wasn't really down with what Obi-Wan was saying, even what Padme was saying. And after he does execute Count Dooku, and we do return, he does return uh, to the side of Padme... Padme reveals to him that she is now pregnant. And <laughs> in traditional deadbeat dad fashion, he does one of those, ah, shit faces. <laughs> no, but it's like in the last movie, he was so in love with her. And he was the one who was practically coercing her to start a relationship with him. And yeah. he so seems disinterested in the prospect of being a parent. And it also just brings up an idea in this movie that never really goes away, and that's that this movie does a real disservice to uh, Padme as a character. Oh, yeah, she goes from being, like, a strategist and a freedom fighter to just being, like... in episode one. The fighting queen! She (laughs) fought back, and, like, she led the Naboons against what's-his-face, the trade separatists, and, like... All of a sudden, she just turn, She takes a huge backseat and just becomes the damsel in distress for two and a half hours. Or she does that thing where she's, like, crying, but not really crying, but she's always like, you're breaking my heart, you know? like. Oh, oh my God. No, there is a scene later in this movie where, like, I, I'm pretty sure that Natalie Portman was trying to get me to emote, but I just, like, listened to it, and I could not believe that this woman would later go on to win an Oscar. <laughs> Humble beginnings, my friend. Humble beginnings. But yeah, like, Anakin is a total tool. And I think, if anything, Episode 3 really hammers that point home. That you really should not, like, like him. It feels like there's not many redeeming qualities for him as a character. No, he's unlikable. But the other thing, too, is, look, okay, um, I'll say it this way. <laughs> He un- okay. <laughs> no offense to anybody out here, but Uh-oh. he's essentially supposed to be playing like a version of Hitler. Like that is Whoa! the idea. Darth Vader is supposed to be like the ultimate evil in this galaxy, in this world. You know, I, I it, under the Emperor, right? But he is he is the villain of this piece, and it's I think it's the fact that I don't buy it from him as a character early on. That I just there's nothing about it that made me think that Hayden Christensen was gonna turn into James Earl Jones as Darth Vader, and I no, know no, James no, Earl Jones does not do the physical like, you know, he's not physically the the guy who plays uh you know um Darth Vader, but it's just there's there's something about it that rings totally false, and in this they're trying to make him both sympathetic and both like an absolute bastard like at the same time. And it's absolutely not working. And I think the main reason why is because Hayden Christensen's acting has not gotten any better since the last movie. So my thing is, are you trying to make him an absolute bastard so that way you can hate him when he does become Darth Vader? Like, was 
Is that the thing they were trying to do? I here? don't know. If, or... I don't know if George Lucas is aware of what he wanted to come out of this, right? Because we talk about the scene in Episode Two where he like slaughters that village, like <laughs> on Tatooine, when he goes to rescue his mother, and it's it's so you know it, it it's something that's supposed to be like tragic and a character defining moment but it gets turned around so quickly for in favor of other things in the story that it it's not really treated with the weight that it deserves so they try gets... to go back to that in this movie and it doesn't and it only slightly works better and it gets brushed off by every other character, you know? And then, like, the next scene where where he gets appointed to the Jedi Council, but he's not given, mas- like, the rank of Jedi Master. Like, he just, like, there's just a lot of shit that I'm just like, it makes, one, it makes no sense why Palpatine even has a say who gets to be on the Jedi Council. And two, like, why don't, the Jedi Masters, like, just shut that shit down. Both uh, Palpatine and also Anakin's, like, bitching about it. Anakin, he becomes a total little puss about that, by the way. Well, besides how terrible Anakin is in this, this movie doesn't do any favors to the fucking Jedi anymore, either. Like, you you come out of this movie thinking, oh, absolutely, this fucking order has to die out. Because they were so awful. Like, Palpatine has so much more power now than he did in Episode 2. And these guys are supposed to be, like, Knights of the Republic that are supposed to, like, help. And even Obi-Wan will say it later where he just kind of gets on his soapbox to Anakin. He talks about how his pledge is to democracy. But you fucking allow, like, all these terrible government, like, decisions to be made. And Mm -hmm. it's just, like, it it does, again, it, it rings false. And, um, but uh, you know, like not to harp on it too much, like, we'll definitely, or we can get to it here. Like, it's one of those things where I don't know if that's really bad writing because that's kind of the whole point, right? Was just that the Jedi Council is so flawed that they actually paved the way for this, like, space fascist government to, like, rise up and take over. Like, that's kind of the whole point of these movies is that the Jedi. Jedi are going to fail because they kind of suck at their job. I think the problem with this is, is that now, like, I'm at the point where I needed something a little bit more complicated with characters that had motivations that are not just, like, I I just don't buy anything that anyone is doing in this movie. And Mm -hmm. I think there is a reason why I'm somewhat grateful that George Lucas will not write and direct a Star Wars movie again. So... You wanted, you wanted Obi Wan to be more than just Freedom Man. Go go go! You wanted uh, Anakin to be more than just guitar playing edge lord, <laughs> and then you wanted Padme to be more than you know crying woman number four in the background. <laughs> right, because it's 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 so disrespectful too. Because. Padme does, even her hair is, in this movie, there's a scene where they're doing a callback to what the Leia hair is going to be like, uh, you know, <laughs> later in the series. And it's like, don't you dare. There is nothing about you that that, <laughs> that makes me look at you in the same light as I look at Leia uh, in the later films. And, you know, again, it, it's not totally her fault. I, I, Natalie Portman is a really good actress, but it's just the writing is not doing her any favors here. And um, it's just everything around this film is failing. But I, but 
because of that, I kind of just have to treat it a little bit as I would treat the finale of a series, right? Um, I know we talked about this in another podcast before, but uh, this, you know, earlier this year, Gotham on Fox like ends, and Gotham for all of its faults, and it's a series that goes up and down, and there's some seasons that are downright god-awful and episodes that are terrible, and it's really not my ideal version of Batman. It's just a nice, interesting, kind of crazy Elseworlds new take on it, but the series finale does a wonderful job of setting things in motion for where it's supposed to go later, so that's kind of what I think about this, is that is is it a satisfying finale for what this franchise was supposed to be about, this new trilogy? Ah, uh, gotcha. I guess when you look at it in that lens, it makes it a little bit easier to stomach it. Um, but in no way is that an excuse for some of the shitty writing. Absolutely not. Because one of the other things that this film does and I don't want to get into things out of order, but this movie does another thing where they pull the universe and make it a lot smaller again. Oh my god! The, which is something that I absolutely hate. And uh, oh, we should when we talk, get to yeah, it, get to it. It's gonna be a big deal. When we get to it, I got a little factoid to drop on you that's going to make you shit your pants in anger over how much smaller this universe was supposed to be. But anyway, so when they get back to Coruscant, uh, the Jedi split up Anakin and Obi-Wan, and Anakin is pretty much on uh, Palpatine detail. And yeah. like Obi-Wan the Jedi is... Council, like they decline, they uh, they decline to give him the rank of Jedi Master like Obi-Wan has, and instead just put him to babysit Palpatine. Which, you know, this is one thing where I will grant Anakin a little bit of credit. If these fucking dickholes, like, don't don't <laughs> recognize the fact that, you know, that, that he should be doing something else besides just babysitting the fucking senator who's got way too much power now. Like, if you think that little of him, and you have you know, concerns about where his allegiance lie, you don't set him up that way to be with another guy who can easily, who can continue to kind of whisper into his ear. And that's exactly what these idiots do. They literally say, hey, Anakin, don't trust the Chancellor. We actually don't like that you're really close to him. But make sure nobody kills him! Yeah. <laughs> And, it's so and it's, stupid. But it's funny. It they do this. They have a pattern of doing this because in the last movie they did the same thing. It's like everyone knows that he had this unnatural, disgusting, sexual relationship with a woman that's older than him, and yet they <laughs> decide to assign him to be her bodyguard. My favorite part is they already know he has a, that he has a history of like questioning. He has a history of questioning everything the Jedi Order does. And he has he has a habit of listening to Palpatine over the Jedi Masters, yet they insist on having him be this guy that's supposed to get really close to him and spy on him and shit, which ends up alienating Anakin even more because Anakin gets pissed off that the Jedi Council wants him to do like this underhanded bullshit, and it's like, man. If you want, you know, like, you have these benevolent space ninjas, and all of a sudden in one movie, they just turn into the worst fucking, like, peacekeeping team ever. Like, holy shit. And they, like, like a, actively work against their own goals. And, like, a series finale, like, 
this is where it's like I feel like this movie just starts to say, "All right, we got to wrap this thing up. We've been kind of dicking around for way too long in these Blade Runner motif, or like all these weird like CGI backgrounds. Like let's let's fucking speed it up a little bit. So there's there's times now where it's like you un it almost feels like unprompted. Like Palpatine decides to give Anakin all this fucking advice on the dark side of the Force out of nowhere because <laughs> it's Pretty, not like the dark might- side was something that that they started talking about last year if you had probably better writing talking about like anakin's attraction and draw to the dark side would have been something that would have been ideal to introduce in the last film after he Mm -hmm. slaughters you know the village of sand people uh that's where you kind of want to set something up like that and instead it feels like it's just like an erased rushed like plot point that they have to shit out in the early part of this movie and that's why Anakin has to be so easy to corrupt because they don't have enough time. You only have two and a half hours to get the get that point across, you know? Uh it's so it's so frustrating because you know, they have the, the they have that scene where they're like in a weird like space opera. Right? A like, space or, opera within a space opera. It's like a yeah, they're in that weird show. It's like where... bubbles fucking. Like I, I, I wish I could understand what the hell they're watching. It looks like jellyfish porn, I guess. <laughs> but Palpatine starts talking about like the he starts talking about Darth Plagueis, right? And the tragedy of Darth Plagueis and how he was able to use the dark side of the Force to to uh, even like stave off death. And then Anakin is like, "Oh, well, huh, what happened to Darth Plagueis?" And then Palpatine's like, oh, his, his, uh, what's it called? His apprentice ended up getting more power and killed him as it tends to happen with people with power. And it's like, instead of the take home message being, hey, be careful with your ambitions and maybe accepting the natural order of things and, you know, the natural order of life, like, because it usually leads to your own ruin, Anakin heard that story. I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, the reason why this draws Anakin so much as well, I guess we'll give the script a little bit of credit. Um, part of it is because he's now starting to have these flash forwards of uh, Padme dying during childbirth, which, you know, it's, <laughs> as a man who has had a pregnant wife and stuff like that, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty and terrifyingness that goes anytime you know, the person that you love most in the world is about to go through something where the results can be so unexpected. Um, But but it just seems, again, it's he wants to avoid having Padme die, and we're supposed to believe that he's so in love with her, but there's something about it where it's like, okay, it's sure, I guess we can believe that he loves Padme very much, but fuck this guy's not smart like he's also really stupid because he had the same thing last movie where he was having flash forwards to his mother dying and he goes to try to rescue her and obviously by the time he gets there she dies he should understand at this point that if he's having like some sort of premonition of her dying during childbirth it's gonna fucking happen and he's not gonna have any control over it and it inst- stops being a premonition if you can stop it. Like <laughs> that's how that works. Like that people can't read the future because like urgh, 
like, I hate bringing it up because we're talking about one movie, but it's like the whole premise of Minority Report, right? Is that if you're able to read into the future, you can prevent crime, right? Mm. It's like, then you can't read in the future because if you had the right vision, you would see Tom Cruise arrest the bad, bad guy. Same thing here. Like, and, and this actually leads to a, uh, to a uh, what's it called? A theory I have about this. Mm-hmm. About Palpatine just being, like, doing Palpatine things and being the master puppeteer behind everything. Where I feel that what he was doing was he was actually, between talking to Anakin and, and like, learning about him and his fears, I feel like he was projecting those images into Anakin's head as premonitions when the entire time he's actually leading Anakin down that path, like, purposefully, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I hope that's the case because that's just that make at least that makes me feel a little bit better about the writing as opposed to it just being like oh random vision that comes out of nowhere that's never been prompted before <laughs> yeah no and you know what besides i'll say this i'm i don't really like <laughs> okay the acting is shitty and Palpatine <laughs> is almost cartoonishly evil as well, not just Grievous, but Palpatine is also very cartoonishly evil almost in this film. But he's a better actor for the Emperor than the guy who we had in uh, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and I think even you had forgotten because the thing with the Star Wars series is that it's one of those things that George Lucas has gone back and retooled so many times that I think very few people will remember the original versions of these films. And I had almost, like, scrubbed from my memory, like, one of those fucking, what do they call it, the Mandela effect? <laughs> where, uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. where I always thought that the actor Ian McDermott, I think is his name, I always mm-hmm. thought that this guy was just fucking Palpatine, like, literally all the time. But mm-hmm. it's not. It was this other fucking guy with weird fish eyes that they put, you know, some weird prosthetics on. And this is one of those situations <laughs> where he's the only character that where the recast felt absolutely right. Um, it's a much better uh, actor to be playing the Emperor than the guy they had in the originals. Uh, and then I'll, I'll give a little bit of credit to... to um, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan as well, because Ewan McGregor is like the only one who understood that he was supposed to be playing a younger version of a character from another film. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, I would also, I just kind of want to jump into right after this, because there's like a weird sub, you know, subplot in this. So while Anakin is off farting around with uh, Palpatine and they're being broing it up, Obi Wan goes to a planet called Uta Utapo, uh, whatever it's called. Yes. Uh, because he he has reason to believe that Grievous and the Trade Separatist Army is held up there, and lo and behold, Obi Wan finds out that's actually true. So he fakes that he goes off planet to try to get Grievous and the armies to come out. And he starts riding around in this weird giant iguana horse thing that looks, (laughs) it looks goofy, but rad at the same time. (laughs) And essentially he mounts a one man assault against Grievous and the trade army. And that leads to the most cartoonish fight so far. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And we get to see Grievous is actually a weird four-armed robot who has studied in the Jedi arts 
thanks to Count Dooku. And right after he says that, he immediately starts spinning his starts spinning his fucking hands around like a Beyblade because that's what they teach you at Jedi school, apparently. <laughs> and he just turns into this giant fucking like top of death. And he claims he's gonna take uh he's gonna take um Obi Wan's lightsaber. I was about to say soul, because I've been thinking of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Soul's mine. <laughs> Your soul is mine. And that was more Yoda than Grievous. <laughs> but anyway, the fight is stupid. Like it's kind of cool, I guess, when you get to see like Obi Wan do cool badass shit, and like you know he strikes that cool guy pose with the with his lightsaber a few times, and yeah, I mean overall, it's like you know he's he's fighting a cartoon character. And that's exactly what this fight looks like, right? Yeah. There's um, nothing tactile about it. It doesn't feel like there are any real stakes in it. And the way that he ends up killing Grievous is really fucking mind-blowing. It's so stupid! <laughs> Grievous basically it's exists the... with the weakest point in his body being exposed at nearly all times. <laughs> it's like... You... You, you are a cyborg. You can literally just be a brain inside of a robot body, yet for some reason you keep the weakest part of the like of the humanoid anatomy in the least protected part of your body, which is the stupid heart. And then all Obi-Wan has to do is pull the stupid slots aside, like, not even that much. Like, it looks like maybe four inches. <laughs> Just big enough for him to shoot the shit out of him with a fucking blaster. <laughs> oh my god, I was so fucking... And I I lost my shit when we watched that scene, because it made zero sense. Like, the design... That's how you can tell someone was just like, I want to make Grievous look cool. <laughs> no, this like, is what fuck. I meant by, we're rushing this end of the series now, and let's get away from it. It's like, here, we're going to introduce a brand new villain in the early part of this movie, but let's go ahead and fucking kill him right away, because we got other things that we got to get to. And you know, when you kill Grievous, you're like, that's it, right? Like, he's the big bad. No, there's like a whole other hour of this movie left. Yeah, and Darth Maul is an even greater missed opportunity at this point because the fucking Jokers that they've replaced him with in the next two movies are absolute trash. Count Dooku at least had some sort of gravitas in the fact that he made it to the third movie before he got, you know, bodied by Anakin. At least, like, speaks to the fact that he's a little bit of a better character. Gravitas in episode two. By the time episode three comes around, he feels like he's much less important. And oh, I, and he's I such have, a jobber. And I have, a great, I have a great three. comparison for this. So, you know, earlier in the series, when we were just getting started with the podcast, we reviewed Batman Begins, right? One of the yeah. villains, yeah. the main villains in Batman Begins, is the Scarecrow. And in the first movie, the Scarecrow definitely feels important, and he feels like a second villain right to Ra's al Ghul. By the time uh, Cillian Murphy returns in Dark Knight and like reprises his role, like they show you where he is on the on the villain hierarchy 
by making him like a common street criminal who sells tainted drugs to people. That is what Count Dooku was. He was, except he was never as good as Scarecrow was in the first appearance. He was like all right in his first appearance, and then you see him in episode three, and he's awful now. <laughs> I just wish there was a like. Now that you made me think of that, like all I can think of is like a Russian Jedi being like, "My dogs are hungry." <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? Holy shit, I forgot Scarecrow was in the Dark Knight. Yeah. Yep. I totally forgot that shit. Scarecrow's and in all three hilarious. of them. Nuh-uh! Yeah, he returns. We, we should we should definitely, at some point, uh, continue the other two, uh, are, the other two Nolan teasing, Batman uh, films. Yeah, are we teasing a review of the Nolan verse? Or uh, what's it called? Uh, do we like Star Wars? <laughs> or do we like Batman? <laughs> Maybe if the interest is there, we could do it later. But uh, but yeah, I, mean, I definitely words a series worth rolling back. All right, I guess we'll get back to Star Wars now. <laughs> oh man, I want to go. I want to review a movie I actually like. <laughs> so once we get off of the Obi Wan story, we rush to another fucking weird side plot <laughs> that is Yoda going to the Wookiee home world of Kashyyyk. Ka- yeah, the big stupid. Tr- Planet, as I like to call it. And guess who the fuck is there? Superman. <laughs> close. Very close. <laughs> nah, it's fucking it's it's fucking everyone's favorite Wookiee baby. It's it's uh Chewbacca. Because Chewbacca's like sixty in this continuity. <laughs> it is so fucking frustrating like i really am so irritated by this because this is it this is the moment where i know they were doing this in episode one where they had fucking people related to jabba the hut there um but this is just god awful like chewy felt like he was around the same age as han they seemed like contemporaries right like he didn't seem like he was some sort of ancient creature that like <laughs> travels the world with him uh are you are you really to shit your pants in anger? Sure. Originally, when Yoda gets to Kashyyyk, he's supposed to see a human orphan that's being raised by Chewbacca. Shut the fuck up. Who goes by the name of Han Solo. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> Where have you seen this? I saw this on the, I saw this on the IMDb like trivia page, dude. Oh my god. I shit you not. That was like one of the original like ideas they wanted to do for this. You know what? I'll say this. I'll say this. As as fucking irritating as that is and as just annoying as this entire subplot is, keep in mind, this is now like the fourth different branch that this like story decides to go into. Um as frustrating as that is, I will totally admit that I have never seen the movie we're about to review next in the Star Wars series, which is Solo. I have. What's that happen? Yeah, that's. I'm just saying. Like, I, I. Who knows? I don't know if that this has been fully written out of continuity or possibility of continuity just yet. So you think on Father's Day, like Han Solo gets him like, <laughs> like a like a call like a flea collar and like a big old steak for his dear old dad, dad Chewbacca. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> who then so does that mean he's Ben Solo's like grandpa <laughs> right that's what I'd like to know god there's so many questions 
Uh, so pretty much that whole and like, what is the point of of the Kashyyyk scene? Now that I think about it, is it just to show that the Jedi are fighting all over the galaxy? Because I thought that would. Already, I think the point already... of this is that this movie is trying to give you the impression that the Clone Wars is a very big war, right? Like that is okay. in Star Wars lore. Like the Clone Wars is something big. It is an important deal. But there is again, like I said, the last film. There is nothing about this series, this prequel series, that feels like the stakes are even remotely that high. And I think the the possibility of this being treated with any real seriousness is hurt even more for me. Because uh, in the next couple movies, once we finally get to Rogue One... And again, I don't know about Solo yet because I've never seen Solo. But when we get to Rogue One specifically, I think that is a film that will have done, even though it doesn't take place during the Clone Wars era, like it, it's going to be something that will have done more in terms of make feel like an actual war in Star Wars than anything that this film does. Like nothing about this feels that important. And I think the purpose of all these battles that it's supposed to make you feel like hey it's a war right like if you pay attention to world war ii or look at your world war ii history there was parts of the war that was being fought in europe there's part of the war that was being fought in asia like you know it was in by, for all intents and purposes a world war uh world war one like was a crazy uh the way my history teacher always says a crazy war of attrition because it was nothing Mm -hmm. but trenches and soldiers getting closer and closer to you know their targets and i think what a more what could possibly be more uh of an appropriate example of a war of attrition than nameless robots being sent wave after wave to (laughs) be destroyed against nameless faceless Samoan guys being sent wave after wave to their deaths. Right. It, again, it's not important. None of this feels important at all. And, and I think that's a big part of it is the fact that every single clone trooper looks the exact same, and I'm just like, eh, I care not. I care for none of these deaths. <laughs> and even then, like the the few times they show Jedi, like on these self-contained battlefields, and that's the other part is that every battlefield feels very self-contained. Mm-hmm. And then, but like when they show these Jedi's, it's just like it's all a bunch of random ass Jedi's that have never spoken in the entirety of the series. So they, they, yeah, they feel like they, it feels moot for them to even be shown on camera at that point. So after this, because obviously there's so much movie left, um, this is where. Oh, yeah. The third subplot. <laughs> well, no, now we're getting back to the quote-unquote main story where Palpatine reveals to Anakin that he is Darth Sidious, right? And Anakin, who his motivations are so bizarre and, like, I can't tell what the fuck he's thinking, immediately goes and snitches on him to Mace Windu. <laughs> he has no loyalty to anybody. <laughs> So, Man, hello, motherfucker. Guess who's turning on? You know what the worst part about that is? He goes, he snitches to Mace, and then Mace is like, "Hey, don't, uh, don't get involved. I'm gonna handle this." And then, like, immediately, Anakin is like, "Let me get involved." Yeah, it's yeah. Again, here, here you go. 
I'm giving you the information that you wanted, why you assigned me to do this stupid-ass mission in the first place. And now they're saying, you're absolutely not going to take any action because you're young and we don't trust you. What the fuck do you think was going to happen? Yeah, but I think in retrospect, they had very good reason not to trust him. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Uh, so, so he goes and, and, you know, Mace confronts, uh, Palpatine and they start like shooting lightning at each other. <laughs> well, he goes and confronts them with three Jedi that are very clearly just Palpatine fodder. <laughs> Knocked over like tomato cans. But you know what's really stupid about it is that one of those Jedi actually has a toy. And was actually giving a name, and his name is Kit Fisto, and he's the fishy guy. Yeah, I heard and, of Kit Fisto. I've seen Kit Fisto toys at a Toys R Us before. So to randomly, like, for some reason, fans liked him. I don't know why. Maybe it's the dreads. But, like, to have him so unceremoniously just killed off without a word, like, I never even got to hear what he sounds like. I'm like, that's kind of fucking unsatisfying as fuck. No, but it definitely reminds me a little bit of, like, Boba Fett, right? Because yes. Boba Fett is, is, is one of those, like, characters in Star Wars lore that is beloved by fans. And yet, for me, like, someone who who didn't grow up a fan of Star Wars, I don't understand it as much because I don't feel like he's that big in the movie. And who knows? We, I, like, I haven't watched Empire Strikes Back in years, so when we review that film, like, and review last, uh, the Return of the Jedi, we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see how my thoughts may have changed or remained the same from then. Oh, God. So Mace Windu and Palpatine get in this lightning battle. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's when Palpatine, like, just dials it up to 15 in terms of evilness. Uh, and I think we, I forget what we were talking about. Where, oh, we, okay. So this brought us back to an older episode that we did when we did Exorcist 2. <laughs> and, uh, and how I think I talked about how, like, you know, the original Exorcist had this award, this Oscar award winning makeup job by Dick Smith. And it looks so impressive. And to this day is like the world's greatest, like, nightmare fuel. And then when mm-hmm. we watched that stupid ass Exorcist 2 sequel, and you just see, like, how whatever Reagan's stunt double was wearing, it, it was like a fucking Halloween fright wig with an Exorcist, like, makeup kit that you would buy at a fucking party city. Like, that is what the demon looked like in part two. And that's what it felt like Palpatine was looking like for the rest of this movie. It was just, like, an awful version of a demon face. It was pretty garbage. <laughs> In case you needed any more reason to believe he was evil, we have now like turned his face white and his eyes change color somehow. And they get sunken in too, and he looks all <laughs> scarred and shit. And then, uh, you know, like this is when Anakin shows up and he has that moment, like, "What am I supposed to do?" Right. Who should I side with? The very clearly evil guy? Or the very clearly not so evil guy, but kind of a dick, you know? And in traditional Anakin fashion, he picks the worst of the two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now that Mace Windu dies, because he gets essentially flies out a window in Coruscant and meets his doom... What was the point of Samuel Jackson playing the character in these films? Because I don't know what it was, but in my sense memory, 
I always thought that he had a much bigger role in this prequel trilogy. He does not. Like, he just is there. <laughs> I think upon, like, watching it again, that's when I realized Mace Windu is just one of those cool characters that is just there to maybe attract Western audiences more. But I don't know. Like, he, he's just kind of there. I mean, yeah, he killed Django in the last movie, but then he gets jobbed out in this Django. one. Like, <laughs> suddenly his hate for the characters named Django makes sense. <laughs> Uh, even though it is Django, but, but still, like, any time that I think of, like, any time I think about Samuel Jackson now, like, it's just my favorite line of his now is, like, him screaming, Django! <laughs> At the end of Django. But son of a bitch! <laughs> Immediately after Anakin kills, or helps kill Mace Windu, he goes, What have I done? Like you said, like it's cartoonish how quick Palpatine turns evil. He already has the hood sewn on. <laughs> he had the hood like ready to just throw it on. And I swear to God, like his, like his thing felt like a mystery science theater where, like, right after he said, like he would have been trying to say a line, and then immediately I expected Crow T Robot to go, "Who could have done this?" <laughs> oh my God! And that's when it's like at that point, Anakin is at the point of overturn he's already killed some jedi and you know like i mean i guess he can like he can still admit that this guy is evil but again with how shittily his character is written and how easy it is to convert him to the dark side he gets dubbed darth vader by palpatine and well not well darth sidious and that is pretty much the beginning of the empire right roll credits Right? That's what happened. Well, kind of. But I will say this. We're about to step into the second half of this film. I think the second half of this movie is light years better than the first. Oh, this movie super turns a corner. And as soon as Order 66 happens, like, you can tell this movie... This movie finally feels like it's in line with the original trilogy. It feels like in the second half of this movie, we finally get to the stuff that George Lucas wanted to do. And everything else that he was doing before this was just padding the runtime of this movie. So for those of you that don't know, Order 66 is the order that Darth Sidious or the Emperor gives in order for the clone army to turn on and kill the Jedi. And it starts off with, I forgot who it was, Commander Cody or somebody. Uh, taking a rocket and shooting it at Obi-Wan, but then, like, they cut all over the galaxy. And it's, like, all these known Jedi, like, we don't know their names, we just all recognize them from the movies, uh, just start getting murked in, on every single planet. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, it's supposed to be very, like, you know, they have the somber music playing, because this is a really defining moment. And I think this is the first time that anything has happened in any of these movies where it feels like there's finally stakes, you know? Like Yeah, which is funny because he slaughtered women and children in the last movie, 
But it, it's an until the scene <laughs> where like he goes into the temple and the kids are like looking for refuge and they are happy to see him and then all of a sudden you just see a fucking lightsaber light up and it's one of those things where okay fine like I will give the movie credit for crafting something but I, when I saw this I could not stop fucking laughing because <laughs> I wish I could tell you why like this movie did not get the desired reaction out of me it's so cartoonishly evil like that shot that the door closes it's just like they're like are you here to save us master anakin and then it just goes (laughs) (laughs) because it's like you they're really trying to make you to start hating anakin at this point it's like short of him drowning puppies on camera yeah exactly and it's funny because when we this was the part of the movie that you and I watched together, and I literally wanted to throw you off the balcony in my home when, when you started comparing the Order sixty six scene to the fucking to the murder of the five families from the Godfather. <laughs> oh, some people are gonna be mad about that. I was like, you have never seen the fucking Godfather. If that's what you're fucking comparing this to. It's, what do you mean? It's very, like, it's very similar. Just a bunch of people getting murked, bruh. Yeah, it's similar in that people are dying. It yeah. Has absolutely nothing else in common with them. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. A lot of people dying in different places at the same time. No, not like quality of the scenes. Those are worlds apart. Yeah, I'll just I'll put it to you this way. I've seen this scene many times, and not once have I ever thought Godfather. Yeah, but you're not me, so (laughs) I thought you. I thought I'm gonna mention that time that, or I thought you were gonna talk about how uh, I pointed out that that kid got super wrecked when Anakin just pops the lightsaber and I'm like, oh, he's gonna get wrecked. Oh, absolutely. Fucking murdered the oh, shit God. out of those kids. <laughs> Fuck them kids. <laughs> so after he, like, assassinates everyone and, and truly has become evil, that's when he goes to the volcanic planet of Mustafar. Which, of course, How the, evil the evilest character in the galaxy is gonna have to be on a fire planet. Because he's Satan. <laughs> so, and this is where all our old friends from the Trade uh, Federation come back. I was like, where the fuck have these guys been? <laughs> like, I saw like a few of them at the end of fucking episode two. They were such a big part of episode one, and they have so diminished in importance <laughs> by this. Point. Oh yeah, no one gives a shit about them anymore. Neither does Palpatine. <laughs> like, it, they are an afterthought. Where Palpatine is like, yo, I'm going to make myself emperor. Uh, I forgot about those, like, Asian stereotypes I left on that fire planet. Anakin, can you go clean that up for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And- it's almost like he doesn't care about anyone else anymore because his new toy is right in front of him. Uh, and that's exactly what happens. Anakin goes flying across the galaxy. He ends up at Mustafar, and he ends up killing... All these, uh, he ends up killing all the trade federalist people. Um, meanwhile, Yoda and Obi-Wan get back to the Jedi Temple. 
and find out that there's a signal being sent to attract all remaining Jedi back, uh, well, back to the temple so that they can be ambushed by the clone troopers. Uh, freaking A, dude. I love seeing Yoda fight. Anytime Yoda fights in, the, in, the, in this trilogy, it's pretty sick. He's like he does that cool thing where he like throws his lightsaber and impales one of the clone troopers, and then just like mur- like kills another dude and jumps over and like gets his lightsaber back. Yeah. <laughs> like this it, is the last time we'll ever see like a mobile Yoda, so it it's good to enjoy oh. this uh, while we can. I know, and it doesn't look too bad. Like definitely the CGI in this movie is. It, it's definitely gotten a lot better since 1999. That's for damn sure. <laughs> well, because in 1999, again, because George Lucas is someone who goes back and tinkers with his films, they had an awful Yoda puppet in the Phantom Menace. <laughs> they did. I forgot about that. Which, you know, the version of Phantom Menace that I own, by the time we get to Blu-ray, is they replaced him with CGI Yoda. So, uh, at this point, like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, unless you see it in a YouTube video, like, you will not remember what the original versions of some of these things were. And that's why the Mandela effect is super heavy with these movies, man. <laughs> but, uh... When they're at the temple, they realize that they they go over the codex and they look, uh, they look over security records and they see that Anakin, <laughs> Anakin not only was leading the stormtroopers, or the stormtroopers, sorry, the clone troopers, but he then uh, was actively murdering a lot of these people, a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of the children. He murders the children. He killed kids. Okay, <laughs> that's the point. I'm not, <laughs> not going to mince words. In case you and didn't then, know that he was evil. We out here killing kids now. And then, he, for some reason, he pissed on the corpses. It was fucked up, really. <laughs> but then Obi-Wan is like, damn, I gotta go talk to Padme to see where she knows where Anakin is. And she goes and talks to, pa- to Padme. Oh my god, you know what's funny that you're bringing that up now? Is I forgot Padme was in this movie at this point. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Everyone did! <laughs> And it leads to one of the stupidest exchanges ever, where where Obi Wan is like, "I have fe- or was it? I have reason to believe that Anakin has joined the dark side." And then Padme's like, "No, that's impossible." And then and then Obi Wan's like, "He killed kids. I saw it." To which Padme responds, "No." Anakin would never do that. This is a fatal flaw. This is a fatal flaw. Because he literally told her in the last movie that that's exactly what he did. He kills kids. (laughs) This is a pattern, (laughs) goddammit. And it's the worst part is that she brushed it off the first time he did it. And now all of a sudden she can't believe it? It's so stupid. Like She literally married him and probably screwed him after he admitted to her that he's a fucking psychopath that murders families. Like, she had full knowledge that what he did and who he is, and she is okay with it. That's infuriating. (laughs) She's almost an accomplice to his crimes at this point. Oh my god. They're like the Bonnie and Clyde of the Galactic Empire. (laughs) So, again, this movie has now disrespected her, even though she was a reasonable character in episode one, because now I don't like her. Because on top of the fact that she hardly matters in this movie, she's stupid. She is stupid. <laughs> she's so stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. So, this has her fly out to Mustafar to try to confront Anakin. 
and Obi-Wan hides onto the, or he hides in her ship. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, Yoda, if I remember correctly, Yoda goes to confront the Emperor to try to kill him, I guess. And that leads to a fight, a very boring fight in the Galactic Senate. Because, again, it's just two 2005 cartoons fighting at each other and throwing stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, while the well, as fun it is, as it is to watch Yoda fight, it's just not enough to make the scene any, any interesting. You it's know? just too much. Like, there's just way too much going on. And I did not realize until we watched it for this podcast, this movie's two and a half hours long. Like it's all, and it feels like two and a half hours. It does long. not need to be this fucking long. The, and at least when they turn the corner, it's kind of important. Uh, and I think the important part, the I mean, the the stuff that's of note between the Yoda and Palpatine fight is just that it really brings in Bail Organa in, as a main character, even though he hadn't done anything in the first, like, two-thirds of the movie. Oh, played but by the, the wonderful Jimmy Smith. That last third of the movie it really make like, I don't know if it's just that Jimmy Smith is that charismatic, but, yeah, that last third of the movie, he feels like a total bro, and it, you really feel for him because he seems like a guy that actually believes in the Jedi Order, and is just like trying to do his best to maintain some sort of normalcy in a crazy ass world, as essentially the world is falling around him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it also makes a- you feel a little bit good, because obviously Bail Organa, uh, Leia Organa, like this, you almost feel good for Leia, because she's actually in a, in a kind of series that's supposed to portray so much tragedy. She's going to have a reasonable childhood <laughs> growing up with this guy and his wife. Yeah, you feel good that she's going to be in good hands and she's going to be taken care of because she was she's the daughter of the last guy that stood for something in the, in, in the galaxy, you know? So to the main plot, the main meat of the story, we finally have... Uh, you know, the the confrontation between Obi-Wan and Anakin on Mustafar. But before that, uh, when Padme gets there, she can, you know, she confronts Anakin. They have this conversation or they have this talk about how, you know, everything that everything that Anakin has done. And he's like, but I did it all for you. And goes, we can rule this galaxy together because I'm powerful and I'm more powerful than the Emperor. And then she's like, but did you kill those kids, though? And he's like, that's not that's besides the point. Right? <laughs> he's like totally embraced like this whole evil, new evil Anakin, right? And then we get Angel's favorite line of the, 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 the like prequel trilogy, and that's Anakin. You're <laughs> <breaking> my heart. <laughs> oh. My God, she had to literally tell us what was happening because, <laughs> because otherwise we would not have believed it with her fucking fake ass terrible crying. Followed by the next, my favorite line in the prequel trilogy when Anakin sees uh, sees Obi Wan and by the ship, he goes Leia. <laughs> Which is the line that I swear to God I've heard on so many like morning radio shows ever since then. 
Oh my god, 95.7 has that, that drop, and they use... I know I know Damon Bruce used it. It's fucking hilarious. Oh no, Greg Papa used it. That's who used it. These are local Bay Area stations, by the way. We should probably yeah. be clear about that. <laughs> People won't get that. People won't... People, that, that one was... That was a reference just for me, okay? <laughs> Fuck the fans. Oh god, so... You but know, once we once we're like done with the awful melodrama of this, that's when we do get to the actual fucking fight between Obi Wan and Anakin. And I have to say, it is quite impressive. Um, for as maybe it hasn't aged well in terms of special effects, but it's the music and the actual fight itself, and really the dialogue from Ewan McGregor is what turns this into like the best scene of the entire prequel trilogy. Fun fact, also from the IMDB facts page, uh, they, Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor uh, both like got in really good shape and like took the, they took fitness classes and they took uh, fencing classes together. I'll say this, and, like uh, Chris, Hayden Christensen I'll bash his acting, but physically, he looks a lot bigger in this film. And oh yeah, and he's definitely, in terms of the physicality, seems much more apt for the role than he did last time. He went to the Adam Driver school of like gains because he oh went and like <laughs> he went and got barrel chested for this movie. I'm so but glad yeah, you like... brought that up because by the time we get to the new trilogy, like <laughs> I am gonna find some you know, connections between Anakin Skywalker and uh, Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah, even their stupid-looking haircut. <laughs> but yeah, like, they have uh, they have an amazing fight. They have the great, like, that amazing music, the John Williams score that plays over, where it's like, uh, it's just like epic operatic, right? And they have those fights that, or they, they, they fight all over Mustafar, and finally, they get that famous scene where uh, Obi-Wan tells Anakin, you know, don't do it. I have the high ground. And he ends up cutting, you know, like Anakin refuses to listen in classic uh, Anakin fashion. He tries to jump over Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan cuts his heads off, or his heads off, <laughs> his legs off. And he just rolls into, like, the lava and catches on fire, right? And they have that amazing exchange where he's like, where he tells Anakin, you were my brother, I loved you. And, you know, you just really feel for Ewan McGregor. Like, you really, like, earlier they had that really shitty exchange uh, where he's where he's talking to Yoda and he says, I can't go and kill Anakin, that he is like a brother to me. <laughs> it was just like a line that was just thrown out there, right? But then this one, in like in this scene, he does that, like Dark Knight Rises, uh, Michael Caine thing, where he like, he half yells, half sobs, yeah. and I'm just like, damn, dude, like, this this is it. This is the culmination of everything. You know? Yeah, this, this guy is, is operating on a greater level than everyone else, and if nothing yeah. else, the the relationship that he and Dark that that. You know, Alan Guinness, the older Obi Wan, has with Darth Vader, and like just all the stuff that happens in Empire. Like a lot of the stuff, why any of that does carry like even more weight 
is like because of the wonderful performance of Ewan McGregor in this like yep. scene. You know, it this is where the only part where you feel the tragedy. We've been following Anakin for this entire journey, and we don't really feel what the movie wants to get us to feel. But it's a guy who is a fantastic actor with his lines who is giving you that emotion. And mm-hmm. I'm just even though it, you know, I'm not crazy about how we got here, I'm glad we're here right now. I highly recommend any, you know, for anyone that listens and anyone that's interested, go on to YouTube. And I found it like completely on accident. And I can't tell you what YouTube hole I went to to find it. I just looked up Obi Wan has PTSD, (laughs) but it's a one. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I found it. Remember that clip I made you watch, but you didn't want to because you're a bitch. Yeah, but. Why the fuck did you search for Obi-Wan as PTSD? That's the only way I can describe it. I was like, because I found the video once, and I'm like, wow, it looked like he had PTSD flashbacks. Let me look up Obi-Wan has PTSD. Oh, look, there's the video. But it's like a one-minute video, and it's it's the scene from A New Hope where Obi-Wan is talking to Luke, and he's telling him what happened to Darth Vader. I'm sorry, he tells him what happened to his dad during the Clone Wars. And, you know, you get to see the pauses and, like, the glances that uh, Alan McGinnis does. Or, I'm sorry, is it Alec? Alec or Alan? No, Alan McGinnis. Alan Guinness. I don't know why McGinnis came in. <laughs> anyway, like, you know, the way he's able to tell a story without knowing what the story is, and then, like, interspl- like you know, intersperse, they cut uh, scenes from this part, uh, from uh, from Anakin and, uh, and Obi-Wan's fight, and they're able to intersperse like those lines and those like cutaways and it's just it's really good and it, like you were saying it it gives his performance that much more weight in a new hope and in every other movie after because of what ewan mcgregor is able to do in this scene mm-hmm. anyway unfortunately that ends um Anakin gets picked up by the Emperor because the Emperor has this feeling that something bad's happening to him. <laughs> and we get to see him turn, actually turn into Darth Vader, right? So we get to see the construction of the suit and pretty much, even though he's all hot and gross and sweaty and like, you know, looks like just a burnt hot dog, he's stuffed in this Darth Vader, like, space samurai suit. <laughs> And we get I'll to... say this, we, when we get into the suit, this much like the moment at the end of Gotham where you see the young the young actor who played Bruce Wayne the entire time, they basically like CGI'd him onto an adult like wearing the bad suit. And it's it's oddly the same feeling I got rewatching this movie where it's like this feels just right. Like it looks slick. Like it, the suit looks a lot more like it does in Empire in terms of just kind of like the chrome finish on it. Like yeah. it, it looks, it looks really nice. I'm glad we're finally here, <laughs> but they have to immediately torpedo it. <laughs> <laughs> they they do one thing good, but to follow up with ten bad things, and that's 
And that's the stupidest no I've ever heard in movie history. Yeah, so he comes back to consciousness, and the first thing he asks, uh, you know, Darth Sidious, is where is Padme? Which is so crazy. Like, it it still gives me chills because it's so weird to hear, like, James Earl Jones' voice again. (laughs) And, like, he's the one asking about Padme. And then that's when, like, you know, Darth Sidious reveals to him that he, like, killed her in anger which is not totally true she really just died giving birth oh no <laughs> no 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 oh. we'll get to what, how she, she died no she fucking died of a broken heart <laughs> that bitch gave up don't give me that shit <laughs> she called it a life <laughs> oh my god it, the, like, remember kids the, the running theme of this movie is fuck them kids <laughs> So Padme immediately, I've got nothing else to live for. My kids, fuck them. Nah, like, fuck I'll em. just Let me just go ahead and give birth and let me die now, now that I've done this. Let me just go ahead and fucking croak. And <laughs> so, you know, when he, I guess Sidious, like, tricks Vader into thinking that he was the one who killed her by, like, strangling her. And that's when he, like rips his arms off the operation bed and <laughs> looks up to the heavens and yells, <laughs> no! <laughs> it was such a ni- like cheesy 90s moment that movies don't do anymore. You don't get people looking up in the heavens and screaming their emotions. <laughs> Oh For good reason. God. God, I don't want to see that. Like, that is one fuck thing I never I... want to see in a movie again. <laughs> hey, fuck you. I do that in real life all the time. <laughs> Slightest inconvenience. No! <laughs> so, you know, cutting back to Padme giving birth after she has died, like, it's so bizarre. So Yoda has to now go into exile uh, because he lost to Darth Sidious, and Sidious is obviously going to be looking for him and wanting to kill him. So, and Yoda has to end up where he's at Dagobah, like where he, where Luke will find him by the time we get to Empire. So this is where the the chess pieces are really moving to where they start for the real quote-unquote trilogy. Um, And once the babies are born, they make the cognizant decision, uh, fucking Obi-Wan, for some reason. um, And that's when they send Leia over to live with the Organas on Alderaan. And uh, they decide to take Luke back to um, Tatooine so that he can now be with uh, Anakin's stepbrother and his girlfriend. So uh, I will say what I do love about this, though, is the moment that Obi-Wan does go to hand the baby to them on Tatooine and it plays like the music that it plays in the original film and you're looking at the two sons like setting that is like. A special it's moment. a cool shot. Absolutely. Yeah, I really love. I was I was a big fan of that. I really like the fact that. Uh, I mean, I love that they brought back Owen and Baru for obvious. I mean, you kind of have to because they are in the original trilogy. <laughs> Do you like the characters like, that they did? That's the part too. It's like I will say this about Owen and Baru. Like I'm glad. I like how they introduced them. And mm-hmm. I like the actors who they got to play them, even though we don't really get to, like, fucking live with them or do anything with them at all. They definitely mm-hmm. feel like the same people who raised Luke in Episode 4. And I can't explain yeah. why that is. 
It's just, I mean, it's one of those few times that the casting was really good. Like, I, well, I feel that for the most part, the casting in these movies were really good. It's just, it's just the shit ass writing. Well, and then also, it is just a little bit weird that like Luke and Leia's parents like just look so much younger than them. Because <laughs> it's just like the seventies, right? Like people just looked like. I feel like people who are younger still looked a lot older in the seventies because of the hairstyles and all that stuff. So it's just yeah, they they feel they feel a lot more like fucking goth kids in the two thousands, like <laughs> than they do like the actual parents of the characters from Star Wars. But can relate. But regardless, we are now at the point where we got to ask ourselves if we like Star Wars Episode Three. You know. It's weird. I actually like this movie. I like the last half of this movie. Yeah. And I think it's enough for me to say I like this movie because it sets... uh, It's like you said, it sets the moving pieces in place to set up for A New Hope. And then, you know, we have the new Star Wars stories coming out that expand on that time between... You know, Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like, when I say I like this movie, I think I mean I like this movie the way you like Godzilla. Like the 2014 one. Mm-hmm. There is enough there for you to find this movie enjoyable, but there is way too many problems to be like, I'm going to watch this movie all the time. Like, this is definitely not on any fucking top 10 lists. Like, this isn't even on my top 25 lists. I think it's... there. There's enough stuff there for me to warrant that I like the parts, but I can't say that, you know, like, I'm, I'm probably not going to revisit this movie after we're done with Do We Like Star Wars. I ha- Yeah, I have to admit, it, it's, it, this is... It's a movie that... I again, I used to think that episode two was my favorite one of the prequel trilogy, but I've discovered that it is the latter half of episode three that really is the one that ties it all together and brings us where we wanted to be by the time we get to the original trilogy. No, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And you know, it's it, it. I will probably return to it again, maybe because. Again, every time that a new Star Wars movie comes out, I love ripping the collection out to kind of watch it. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to want to watch those early uh, episode one and two anymore. <laughs> I think this one might be the only one that I kind of get into. And I will watch it more as an Elseworlds story. <laughs> because, in my <laughs> opinion, like the, the concept of a Star Wars prequel is about to be explored much more effectively than we've ever seen ever before in the next few Star Wars reviews that we're doing. So if we, I mean, honestly, if they would have slow burned the one, the last hour of the Star Wars prequels and it's taken all the plots that they put in that, in, in Revenge of the Sith, and they would have expanded that over three movies and given enough characters their due, this probably would have been a much more enjoyable trilogy. But because they wanted to introduce new characters and try to be like, we're going to introduce Star Wars for the kids, and then do all these weird, like, superfluous shits, like, you know? I think my problem with this is that this didn't need to be a trilogy. 
It didn't. And, and, and the fact all. that it was a trilogy, it just meant that they went off on way too many tangents that they did not need to go on. I think if you focused some of the important things into a single film, like that would have been the perfect way to go about it, in my opinion. But again, it's just this. These films have proved that for as much as a genius as George Lucas is, and how he is one of the greatest filmmakers that has ever lived, mostly just because of the innovations that he's done for the film industry. Um, it's good that he's finished with this. Uh, this needed to go into someone else's hands. Sometimes you had to kill your heroes because they suck. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, the exciting part about this is we have wrapped up all the prequels, and well, all the prequel trilogies, and the next Star Wars movie review is going to be a film that neither one of us have ever seen, and mm-hmm. the unfortunate part about this is I think it's actually the one that, because it opened at such a low box office, it may have killed the one-off Star Wars movies forever. I really hope not, because, like, everyone I've talked to about, like... This movie specifically, Solo, like a lot of people were like, it's good. Like it was, it, like they weren't saying it was their favorite movie, but they said it was interesting enough, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just really sucks because it also felt like they, that the studio did no favors for this movie. It really feels like the marketing department was like, not even there. Like they did not do anything to help this movie along. I think the other thing that kind of poisoned it, and we'll talk about it when we get to Rogue One. But I think Rogue One brought in an idea where it was like we could tell stories that exist inside this universe with characters mostly that aren't related to the characters in the original film and that we can find genuine interest in it. So Mm -hmm. like to me, like they're going to make that discovery. But I think part of the problem with Solo maybe have been is that you're just going back to the well too many times to fish out these old characters again. So mm-hmm. we'll see what that is when we finally get to it. Um, I know that next week we will follow up finally with our review of Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just look forward to um, the next several episodes of this series and all the non-Star Wars movies that we're reviewing for the remainder of the year. So, uh, I'm just glad we're finally out of the prequel trilogy territory. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, this this definitely felt like work. <laughs> and, I know. Um, and I am very happy that we are out of these just dreadfully slow like films. <laughs> so uh, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us. We'd like to thank everybody for continuing to put uh, reviews on iTunes if you have. Um, for giving us the downloads that you've given us, uh, despite the fact that we didn't release a new episode this week. Um, and we really look forward to continuing our just, you know, streak of very good episodes and just awesome continued fan engagement with everyone on the Instagram page. Uh, so, uh, until next time, I'm Angel. And I'm Javi. Thank you, turds.